Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of Europe United's Eurochat. Our podcasts are presented in cooperation with the Communicating Europe Initiative. The CEI was established in 1995 to raise awareness about the European Union and to improve the quality and accessibility of public information on European issues. My name is Ken Sweeney. I'm Chief Editor of Europe United. And our guest today is Maria Walsh, who is an Irish MEP uh, for the Midlands Northwest constituency. I'm speaking today with Maria Walsh, who is the incoming MEP for the Midlands Northwest constituency in Ireland. Hello, Maria. Welcome to Eurochat. How are you? Thank you you very much for having me on. I think this is a fantastic idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're doing it as part of Communicating Europe initiative, and um, we're delighted to have you here. So let's get straight into the questions, will we? Yes. No, no, uh, no waiting. Yes, I like (laughs) this. It's been a whirlwind of a few months for you since you... uh, started off the election. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how it's been? It's been, um, it has been a couple of months. Uh, you know, we were uh, elected officially at the end of May and we're out, uh, I was out in Parliament a couple of days mm-hmm. later. Um, I had gone through the motions of the Welcome cent- the welcome Centre where you're, you're, you're doing all the admin side of your life. And then, and then we really kicked off and it was a case of how, how quickly can we start working? And, and because I came from a background of no political political experience as such. Obviously, I've worked Mm -hmm. with numerous organizations around um, community-focused groups and mental health and LGBTQI advocacy groups, but the politicking of politics was very new to me. But I've enjoyed it. I'm still in the honeymoon phase and long may it continue. Yeah, and was it a decision early on to go into Europe rather than going to local politics? Not at all. You know, for for me, uh, you know, I I had uh, been a part of a little festival called the Rosa Tree five years ago, (laughs) and um, I decided to move back full-time at the end of that year back to Ireland. I was Mm -hmm. living in the States. And over the course of the five years, I had gone through a number of bits of trial and error. I'd set up a business. I'd worked in the media. I was MC for numerous corporate events. And and I was chipping away at trying to create some sort of identity here in Ireland. And and it was a hard hard space to do. And I was educated here. You know, my undergrad Mm -hmm. is journalism. But I always had a a taste for going back to the States and and figuring a life there. And and then when the rose happened, another opportunity arose. and, And I grabbed it with two hands and I ran with it. And I guess in hindsight, I I was serving numerous, you know, I was serving an apprenticeship as of such, building up to a moment. Uh, But for me, I, I had flirted with the idea in my head about running for politics but mm-hmm. I like to get some educational perspective onto it so I went to a women for election event uh, a one day event June of last year where I sat in a room and it was so nice to be in it because I wasn't there as a former Rose or someone in the media I was there as a punter learning and I said to myself going in if it's something that doesn't scare me and excites me then this is something I need to really look at and it, and, and that's exactly what happened a couple of weeks after that we did a um almost like a speed dating exercise where we mm-hmm. got to meet various political groups. Now, granted, I grew up in a very rural part of Ireland um, on the border between Mayo and Galway. So I would have known and seen many TDs, councillors. Our former president, Mary Robinson, wasn't too far away from me. So I had strong representatives of various parties in and around my community. Um, and over the ro- rose year, you know, being at, ver- you know, being at events, then I would have met again more personalities than than I could count in terms of political representation uh, but I always had an inkling towards um, Fine Gael 
I sat in front of the general secretary, five minute chat. I I actually asked about local. I wanted to build structure at home and and see if I could build a career. Uh, and it was floated Europe. And mm-hmm. within those five minutes, I'd left, and I text ten of my friends and I from various networks, and I said, "What do you think happens in the European Parliament, and what do you think an MEP does?" Um, and nine of them came back and couldn't answer that question. It's a ten million dollar question. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's a problem. And and mm. and I think for me, then I instantly knew that there was not just winning a seat not just winning a seat for a party but there was a culture shift and change that it was right. required okay so it was a fairly clear decision to go with Fine Gael mm-hmm. right yes yeah did did you uh think about the fact that they were quite considered quite a conservative party um I, I really looked at um the fact that you know this this party that I'm, I'm very very proud to be associated with uh-huh. asked you know, my generation too, the biggest questions we, we will ever potentially face in, yeah. in our lifetime. Um, both two very directed to me in the sense that I'm an LGBTQI mm-hmm. community member. Uh, I'm also female and I believe in um, having a choice. So having the social impact from that party uh, left a feeling of understanding towards that party, if that right. makes sense. Okay. Um, and then in terms of economics uh, and the business side of the beliefs of Fine Gael, um, you know, I I know the value of, of hard work and trying to make something work. I, I, I grew up in a household where my, my both my parents were um, self-employed, um, had four children, tried to keep the roofs overhead and had seen the recession. So I understood the economics of 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 the country that and where we are going in uh, and plus for me um and maybe i'm doe-eyed and new to politics but i truly believe we're moving into a space where it's not necessarily about the political group but about the the leadership that it, it has within it mm-hmm. um so you know when you look at the likes of regina doherty helen mcintyre even our first vice president Mairead McGuinness, yeah. um you look at uh simon coveney Thon- or Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, mm-hmm. you look at these mm-hmm. people um, and the impact they're making, not just as Fenugail political party, but as them in, in rooms making change, then then you really sit up and take note and, and you want to be a part of that that energy. Yeah, I mean, there is, there has obviously, there's always going to be criticism, mm-hmm. the traditional criticism for Finnegal, And I, I what I've seen, of course, certainly from abroad, the, the team that's leading Finnegan, particularly in Europe, seems to look very confident, very assertive. One anonymous source said to me that um, the team that would have been leading Ireland five years ago is, it would have not have been so confident looking as the one we have now. So that's possibly oh, a that's good nice. thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, there's no... Is that an indirect no, high five or an indirect uh, not so much high five? No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's probably a direct high five. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, like, there's no doubt about it that that Leo Varadkar as a public figure for the Republic of Ireland looks very good. And, you know, I mean, the irony is I get asked, you know, how is it that Fine Gael sits in the EPP and, you know, and sorry, and uh, Fianna Fáil sit in Aldi. Aldi mm. are seen as the progressive liberals mm. <laughs> and, you know, Fine Gael are seen as the, you know, the yeah. conservatives. And yet you have this, you know, very progressive leader mm. who is gay. And then you have Fine, Fianna Fáil who are not so progressive in the sense when they're last their last day or dash they voted against the uh, you know abortion mm-hmm. so i mean there's lo- there's lots of contradictions and i'm probably mm-hmm. right in saying that it's almost an individualism in politics nowadays that's leading it yeah and then within the epp group you know i i asked i get i got asked this mm. on the campaign as a lgbtqi woman who is pro-choice who um grew up in rural ireland who's new to politics how am i sitting within the vein mm. of the epp Victor group Orban, uh, all of those yeah but within that you know if you look at the dna the makeup of our current european 
European Parliament, um, over 400 new MEPs. Yeah. And there is a shift and change in mm-hmm. terms of the EPP. Now, if you ask me in a year's time, what is the manifesto of the EPP? I think it's going to be very different to what it was five years ago. Because it probably has to be because it's lost a lot of seats. Indeed. And then you look at the com- uh, President Commission-elect, Ursula van der Leyen, and, and the way she has proposed the College of, mm-hmm. of Commissioners. You know, we talk about um, the, uh, a vice president a vice president commissioner dedicated to the European way of life mm-hmm. and protecting mm-hmm. that. Um, our, our, vi- our commissioner designate for oceans and environment, not just fisheries. Um, so uh, uh, we're, we're, we're changing within the group. Now, like anything, like this country, um, we have changed quite fast in the last couple of years mm-hmm. on social issues. Fast for too many, not fast enough for others. Um, and I think we're going to have, we're going to be growing into that type of conversation within the EPP group over the next couple of years. I believe right. and then you do look at Renew uh, formerly, formerly Aldi and you look at all the other groups um, Greens in particular I think for me and what I'm finding out in the European Parliament when you're sitting at committee level it is very much about your political group in terms of weight and vote. But when you're sitting around a table, it's about getting the best for, for your, the European it's Union. It's all about so compromise. you almost yeah. forget about the European party that you're representing mm. and more about how are we going to move from A to B. Because that's obviously the way this structure is in the parliament. It's not so much adversarial as you would find in the mm-hmm. dial. Mm-hmm. Um, so just actually on re- in, in regards to the parliament itself, what is what is your overall impression of the parliament now that you've been there a few times? What can you give me an idea of how it's how it feels? Yeah, well, right now I, I, I'm very proud to say after four months I'm no longer getting lost, and that's really <laughs> successful considering. Years yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for me, every I, I make a point to walk in the. Um, in and off the the plaza in from Schumann and and uh, the Luxembourg station and you're coming up the stairs and you're surrounded by the 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 greatness that is the institution and why it was it developed um, and I haven't taken that for granted so far. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of stuff that I'm learning about. You know mm-hmm. the the way uh, we're moving in a very green technology driven world, but yet a lot of stuff is done on paper and and how do we transition that and there's a great deal of do I believe in stuff like moving to Strasbourg once a month mm. at the cost no but it's within our treaty and we must respect that so can I ask you is that a, that's a problem for you is it do you, do you think it's an issue that should be addressed I think it's I, I, I mean if you if if you look at I mean France is not going to let that no. happen anytime let's put soon that, let's park that yeah. for a second though because mm. the practicalities of having two parliaments mm-hmm. I mean it, on a personal note I mean as an MEP would you would you would you be listening? Would you be willing to listen to that as as it being abolished in some form? Or well, I think, I, I, but I think that's that's what's really interesting about the new wave mm-hmm. of politicians that are coming through the institution now, um, moving a cohort of people into one place or the other. Mm. I understand the democratic reasons for it and the protection of a treaty. Mm. Um, I'd be a hypocrite considering we're currently in sure. uh, a divorce with our closest neighbour to not say pieces of paper are the most important things when it comes to treaties and yeah. um, and, and 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 agreements. But I also see the the logistics of it and mm. the the whispers of costs. And you think, hang on, I, I could probably spend a little bit more in, in nation states. Um, but it is remarkable 
Um, some believe it, some don't. It is remarkable the fact that we have an institution that is there to protect citizens. Sure, but um, I mean, that is democratic, and it, that is about working together um, and trying to find the best compromise to move forward. And you gotta, you gotta appreciate not everybody's focused with the art. Like we're coming in there mm-hmm. with our own intentions of I'm trying to deliver the best I could for Midlands yeah. Northwest um, within my constituency. It's a four seater. Not every other MEP, even our first vice president, is on the same page because mm-hmm. I'm seeing different things. I grew up in a different environment. I'm different generation Um, so you're constantly just trying to chip away at building a better you know community base where you're representing and you have that of the 750 odd members um, which will shift and change over the next couple of couple of years given if we get new members and um, hopefully no more divorces but that's Mm. um, it's it's phenomenal it's phenomenal it's a phenomenal place to be a part of but just to kind of keep you on that Strasbourg issue, mm-hmm. because that's you a really very, want to focus a, on that. It's a very good, well, it's it's a very good example of what can be used um, against the EU in terms of say if you wanted to encourage people to be anti-EU. So how do you address that? I mean, surely there must be a case of where people can be more informed as to why there needs to be two parliaments, because a lot of people mm-hmm. in Europe don't know why there is. They just kind of know that there is, and then you have a lot of Eurosceptic saying, "Oh, this is shouldn't be happening. It costs a huge amount of money. It's always the money thing." Yeah, but well, then so, we got to look at we got to look at politicians. We got to look at um, our media, mm-hmm. and we got to look at the way um, our communities and our constituents are disconnected to what happens in the European Parliament. Mm-hmm. So, over the course of the campaign, I consistently heard of you know again, why did I run? Ten of nine of my friends out of ten didn't know what the European mm-hmm. Parliament is and didn't know what an MEP does. So that's a problem, um, and we need to change that because if you do not change that, then we have an increased rise of populism. But I am pro Europe. Uh, I am uh, an an American born, Irish raised European, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Um, if the one or a few downsides that we have is that uh, in the course of making sure a European institution and union worked for everybody to deliver peace was the fact that we go to Strasbourg once a month, then I'd prefer to go to Strasbourg once a month for fear of where we are coming from um, versus where we need to go. Um, I think we... You know, I, I understand the checks and balances. I understand it's 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 a huge cost, but I also under, read history books and don't want to go back to the point where we have a war based in two major major countries. Yeah. Um, and perhaps then I'm a bit romantic in the in in the sense of why we're protecting that. European institutions. But yeah. I also don't want to live on an island or in a European Union that has that has wars. Well, I suppose, I mean, I, I, I think there's a, from my side of it, the media is often criticised, but I mean, it's led by, you know, there, there's becoming less and less state in state media. Mm-hmm. So media is becoming more and more monetised. So it has to make decisions on whether it's got to produce the story that people want to hear against the story that people should hear. So I guess it's a case of, you know, th- there has to be a balance maybe more in favour of state media and there is this talk of all the time of whether there should be a European media now. Um, Euronews is is kind of that mm-hmm. but it's never really been the media the european state media that the, the eu wants so yeah it's, i mean it's just a balance that that's you're not not yet been achieved there's I, no bbc of europe so yeah and actually the, the building we're sitting in now the european parliament um here in in dublin they had organized a number of journalists to come over um just last just last week and from from broadsheets tabloids to online to the farmer's journal was represented and i remember i I sat at the table and i said how do we 
bring Europe to you? How do we start that conversation? And some around the table were like, well, we'll pick up a story if we pick up a story. That can't be the case. So we have to meet in the middle and figure out if we don't protect the fact that, you know, good things is happening too, as well as bad, um, then we need to you know we're going to live in a world of populism they're probably not prepared to put the money in I suppose to yeah. put people in there yeah. permanently mm. there's probably like if you look even in Ireland to say Tony Connolly's based in Dublin he's probably the only one whereas you know most of the major European organised media organisations would have five or six people mm-hmm. in person so it's an ongoing problem but we could talk about that all day <laughs> yeah. um, just to go back to your own your own experiences you're coming into politics mm-hmm. you're a young woman thanks for having me young there you go. <laughs> um, you found it difficult. Was it uh, was it difficult absorbing that kind of the machoism of politics? Because we can say it doesn't exist, but in many cases it really does. Yeah, but it does. That's fair enough, and it, it and exists in in both genders. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's just not owned by by gentlemen. Um, I found the transition. Uh, you know, uh, truth be told, I put the greatest expectations uh, on myself than anybody else could. So mm-hmm. uh, if it gets frustrating at times that I don't fully get looking at reports, how uh, how uh, legislation or policy is moving from A to B quite yet. Now, I'm, I'm a shadow rapporteur on a file and and I'm learning so much with that. But I'm I almost get vexed at myself because I'm, I'm not learning fast enough. Yeah. But like anything new, you have to allow yourself time to time to to breathe and, and, and really learn from what's happening and what's not happening. I'm enjoying it in the sense that everything we talk about is community based or, or people based. And, and, and that's the reason why I put my hand and got involved in politics at the first place because I didn't see representation that was was similar to my viewpoints or that represented me living in rural Ireland and mm-hmm. I I get frustrated when at arbitrary activism at some point you got to get off the chair and you got to get involved yeah uh, and I think m- my generation is we, we, we got we got to get involved like you can't keep waiting for things to change at the hands of someone else and at some point at 32 I had to ask myself hang on a second you you can keep talking about positive mental health you can keep talking about inclusion and diversity and this sense of belonging that Irish people need to have right throughout the world within our diaspora um, but if you're not going to be at the table then nothing's really going to move and within that then you're just constantly just chipping away and and, and making make trying to make some good change within the I guess the logistic sides of my life yeah it's 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 interesting for the last couple of months trying to live in two places in one go um I'm I'm not new to travel so it's um the rosier as Mm -hmm. as many might think it was um you know the father Tedisms and those lovely little jokes about us roses uh but it was my greatest apprenticeship and I wouldn't have had uh the resilience built up without it okay because that's an interesting question because the you know the they, they would say that the um, the whole pageant thing, it's, mm-hmm. it's outdated, it's old-fashioned. Well, I wouldn't call it a pageant, but okay, I'll I'm, allow you to no, call I'm, it a pageant. I'm, I'm using that word, in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. in, in, in that, inverted commas. Yeah, exactly, we can't obviously do it. <laughs> Otherwise, this mic is yeah, going to come yeah, right yeah, over exactly. to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I'm talking about in the sort of ways that people are trying to put it down now. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- that way, you, you're kind of, you've bridged that gap a little bit. 
you know, you've bridged that. You've got the both sides of the coin because there would be some people that would say, oh, down with that sort of thing if you mm. want to go with Father Ted sort of thing. So, yeah. how, you know, what is what is that? What is Where experiences did you take from that? Mm. Because there, there must have been loads of experience that you can bring over to the other side. So what exactly, What well, you say you got a lot of experiences from that. Yes. What exactly did you get there? Because that's a totally alien world to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, um, the rules truly is built on um, being a strong Irish woman and representing mm-hmm. the, the, the Irish way of life throughout the diaspora so that yeah. ever growing Irish community that we we find ourselves in um, and within that you know you're, you are not judged based on looks or you know lovely ladies with um, lovely bottoms as yeah. the, the Father Tedism joke goes um, but you're based on how you work with people how you are willing to talk to or able to talk to a five year old to the President of the United States yeah. how you are able to connect with not just Irish but it's a very charitable year it's a year of an apolitical ambassadorship um, I would have travelled the world while also keeping my full time job in Philly so right. it's just it's resilience building it's understanding empathy it's understanding yourself more it's standing up at a microphone and trying to lift a room when when um, a community is in need of it and it is lovely to hear great things you know over over my year I guess I created a little bit more of a media frenzy based off my sexuality and um, people were quite surprised that I could be a pioneer someone who doesn't drink uh, mm-hmm. also be gay uh, be your rose and 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 work in fashion and love Mayo football and but you're trying to ster- move people along that stereotypes only exist if we allow them to sure it's it's less about the boxes and more about how the boxes are filled uh, and we need to make sure we're protecting our young people in and and not blocking them in saying well if you're gay you look like this if you're a pioneer well you look like that if you're a rose tree you can't get involved in politics that's crazy if you're a woman or a man I don't care who you are or the orientation you align with um, you, if you want to be something then go for it and um, this year uh, six years in, in August it was it was it was great to go back and fi- celebrate my five year anniversary celebrate mm-hmm. six years of a great festival and also go back as an MEP um, as someone who really worked exceptionally hard to to get everything I'm sitting in now but now the work starts now now I need to deliver on my campaign so you're kind of a rebel in a positive sense <laughs> I don't know about that <laughs> there's now. a lot of positive there. it's very strange like you know because you know you associate fashion right so you then generally a lot of people think you know fashion drugs rock and roll that kind of thing you're a pioneer You've been a pioneer all your life. Yeah. Or? So at the age of twelve, I made my pledge. Along, you know, with the I went to a Catholic national school. Um, Didn't we all? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I'm and I'm and I'm, and I'm proud. I'm a uh, I'm a proud spiritual person. I I live within the confines of the Catholic Church. So mm-hmm. you know, I think um, for me, it, it it brought me a lot of guidance. Um, but I made my pledge at twelve, and I kept it. Um, so I'm twenty years twenty years a pioneer. Grant. So you're bringing all of those things into Europe and just in the terms of say conservatism you're you're a very positive person but i've noticed that i wanted to get in touch with something here that seems mm. to be associated with europe at the moment everyone's talking about conservative everyone's talking about you know going back to basics i want to ask you about what you've experienced in europe with regards to populism mm-hmm. because there seems to be this right-wing build-up in populism in europe everyone seems to be going back to this kind of values mm-hmm. you've obviously experienced that in the parliament how do you feel about that? What do you think of these right-wing organizations and right-wing parties that are gaining in populism in Europe? Do you think that is a um, a mark of how people genuinely feel or are they being a little bit hoodwinked? You know, the scaremongering of 
populism rising in the EU elections in May, a little bit premature. I don't think we saw as much rise of a populism, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, but that doesn't mean it's going away. On the campaign myself, I would have had a right-wing conservative group develop a homophobic website uh, about me, which wow. um, with 48 hours left in the campaign to, to pull a day, it, it, I, I had to park it and, and really just connect with as many people. So you, you couldn't really focus on it. But, you know, terms that... Uh, brainwashing or creating an ill society or um, values that you know I'm I, I put my best foot forward um, or at least I try to and when you have people who don't know you it's like people who don't know the Rose of Tralee and you're yeah. willing to sit back in that armchair activism sure comes out and you're thinking this and the reality is very different um what we have in the eu parliament now um with brexiteers with you know with the remainers and you see it you see the the um environment that it creates the energy that is there the the back and forth you see in the house of commons that that um vitriol yeah, yeah. And then and then you throw in the likes of Putin and uh, um, a little man called President Donald Trump. and um, Even in Italy, you've seen it. Yeah. And I, I mean, truth be told, if younger generations don't, there, I guess there's checks and balances and everything. There's positive and negatives to everything. If you look at we, where we are now and the political unrest uh, in our neighbor country, mm-hmm. as well as um, the other side of the island into, or the country in terms of the US, in terms of Russia, if, if younger people are not looking at that and saying, if we are not getting involved, our, our, our future has changed. You know, I remember Donald Trump became president and Mayo had lost the All Ireland a couple of weeks prior. And I tell you what, it Bad was the week. most dis- it was it was the most distraught time of my life because I had been following the way. Um, I you know I was a a, a generation that grew up with President mm-hmm. Obama and and the way he connected with people in the most, um, be it through social media, but positive messaging to where we are now with uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson as he currently is and, and, and President Donald Trump and and you think how did we get here well we get here because people are not active in politics uh, and they do but that's not their fault mm-hmm. it's partially their fault you know we all have to put our hand up in, sure. and, and realize that if we're not going to polling stations if we're not fully understanding but as politicians if we are not connecting with their voters um, then there's a disconnect and that's where populism gets in Um, and and that's something we need to change it's something that over the EU campaign probably one of the first things I spoke to my team when I got elected was right now what's our five year plan on this because if we're not doing it then you can't expect someone else to come in and fix and put a bandaid on an issue that you should have fixed yourself but there with the uses of social media um, we've seen it in the Brexit campaign we've seen it in Donald Trump's you know I just watched the great hack on Netflix and my mind is blown with the fact of the power of social media and and over the next general election and many elections to come, it's it's going to be how we message to, to our voters. And just one last question before we finish up. Mm-hmm. Green Revolution, mm-hmm. Greta Thornburg. Delighted to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it generally something now that all the major parties are going to have to jump on that they can to avoid? And if so, what is the plan for, say overall with the EPP and say on a smaller level with the Fine Gael process yeah so um, on a national level um, you know I'm so fortunate uh, Minister Brady. I know you had a very strong campaign yeah uh, yeah well to I be mean, fair to you well I think it's really important that uh, A I, I never said that I was um, a bandwagon jumper yeah well I never yeah. I, uh, my thing is mm. it's it's like sexuality or the repeal mm-hmm. you know you have to bring people along with the journey so you mm-hmm. can't just come into particularly rural Ireland and say right we're green tomorrow yeah. like you you a, people can't afford it, and B, 
mentally we just can't get there so we, you know I went to doors and there was young people asking me questions about being green conscious mm-hmm. and their parents were t- sitting back and saying oh god we have to really look at the way we are living yeah. and that's the way it should be that we're not finger pointing and no political party should own this messaging okay. it is a universal issue um, and if we're not jumping on it i.e. with urgency then we're letting down the generations that are that are taking over the streets and um, just this week in the parliament uh, a group of young people adv- uh, advocacy workers around the green messaging had come in and one I remember one 17 year old said you know I'm 17 I don't know enough but scientists know enough and rightly so but then you have to bring them make sure scientists and our young people and our policy makers and our political makers are sitting down at a table and if that doesn't happen then nothing changes um in terms of the European front, it's very interesting in the EPP group right now. You have Ursula van der Leyen, our president-elect, coming from the EPP group, who in her speech in the Hemicycle in Strasbourg talked about green, uh, talked about the fact that the Green Deal is going to be out in 100 days of her starting her, her commission. Um, within the confines of the EPP room, there was unrest because you do have those traditional EPP members, but that's across every political party that are saying, well, it's not really an urgency, but our voters are telling us it is like the green conversation didn't just happen overnight it's been happening for years and finally we're at the forefront of it but again how do we take people within the EPP group as well as our constituents along in that journey on a national front I I really think um, Minister Bruton is going to hold every department accountable Mm -hmm. I mean the the budget is due Um, how that that waits on in terms of climate action we have to wait and see Um, but I can rest assured you know, Finnell Gale is 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 listening. It, it's it's and if they're not, then that falls on my shoulders and many recently elected members, be it at local council level and this upcoming general election, whenever that will be called, to say, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. You know, we've just come through campaigns. This needs to be dealt with. And then you look at it on a single side. You know, on a on a very individual side. You know, am I uh, and I am I being conscious with water bottles, single use plastics? Am I looking at rubbish and walking over it? Am am I doing the three pieces by the sea? as often as I'm there you know we on a personal level also have to take accountability too and we can't have a a recession of the climate but I mean back to my earlier point in terms of we talk about sustainability and the green uh, and, and, and the environment and, and the urgency around protecting it. But we also have to look at the sustainability of our politics because we can keep driving messages but if our political landscape local, national and European doesn't change then if community members who are actively engaged in various sectors aren't coming to the forefront and get involved in politics, then decision makers around tables aren't going to be taking this seriously. And then you have populism. Mm-hmm. And then we wonder why we're back 25 years. Exactly. So it is a, st- a sustainable cycle. But I don't know if we're, I don't know if every person is connecting those dots. And then that's where, that's where people come in. Is that a major part of your policy? Yeah. Yes, very much so. Um, a big part of my policy is positive mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, as an advocate, I, I worked with Jigsaw for many years. I probably a bit, well, I'm not naive in saying this. I, You know, you look at the building of a trade or currency, um, the job, the institutions as a mm-hmm. whole. If we're not protecting the people that are making everything move, then we're not going anywhere anyways. So we have to be mindful that our citizens need positive mental health and we have to be preventative, not just band-aiding issues that have been developing over years and years and years. And as a country like Ireland, who has more than enough history 
uh, to hang their shirt to in terms of mental health, um, then we need to change that story. So mental health, green issues, two big policies going in. Two big in. Pos- uh, policies, women in agriculture. Oh, yeah. Um, how, do we, how do we change that stereotypical image? Mm-hmm. Um, rural isolation. Uh, again, feeds into the way we look at mental health, the way we develop green conversations and youth uh, engagement. Super. Because if we, you know, I, I when I go to schools and over the last couple of months, I've, I've been really conscious. I ask my first question when I go to schools is who is interested in getting involved in politics? Not necessarily as a as a candidate, but uh, on social media, on strategy, on um, handing out leaflets, on putting up posters, whatever it may be, because there's a lot of work to be done on campaign. And at the start of the conversation, it's two or three um, who may have had a dynasty or, or grew up mm-hmm. in politics. Mm-hmm. And you would hope by the end, by the five years, that you have more people that are chasing your job because that's what it's about. It's about building for the future. And um, it's always great when you're a little bit worried that a, a young a young person is coming in saying, I want to make change. Well, we might as well finish with that then. So <laughs> yeah. if, you, if, you, if you're going to give any advice to a young person who wanted to be involved in politics, what would it be? Get in, you know, the easiest thing I can say is just get involved. Um, find a candidate that, um, be it you want to be one, or find a party that, or be it an independent or a group like mine in Finnegale. This is where I should really put put the pitch for Finnegale <laughs> members. But um, I always said, make your vote count and your voice heard. And for me, it's our democratic responsibility to vote, but it's also our democratic responsibility to get off the couches and the chairs and from away from the computer screens and and the keyboards and actually get involved and talk to people because we're living in a more silo world than we've ever done before. Um, And we we need to be protective of the fact that our citizens have voices and they need to be heard. And for that, you just, if you're a young person, get involved in your student council. Mm-hmm. Um, go in and talk to the local representatives from various groups and figure out, hang on, I actually align with you, but I align with you. So how do we work this together? If, you know, we, there's so many protests going on now, get involved in a protest and look and see how the, the policy makers are tying that together with our political leaders. And Read. And Read, yeah, read. And, and be mindful of what you're mm-hmm. reading mm-hmm. and be mindful of the fact that things like the great hack uh, on Netflix didn't just develop to be anti-Brexit or anti-Trump. Mm-hmm. It developed because we're living in a society where so much message is coming out and we need to decipher what's real and what's not. Maria, thanks very much for taking the time out to speak to us today. You do have a website, do you? I do, I do. MariaWalsh.eu. Uh-huh. Um, check it out there or else check out the European Parliament EPP group and you'll find it all there. And then, of course, social media at MariaWalsh.eu. We've been speaking to Maria Walsh, MEP. She's the Midlands Northwest constituency MEP for Ireland. Um, we are EuropeanUnited.eu. Uh, you can find us on uh, EuropeanUnited.eu. That's our website. Also, our Twitter page is EuropeanUnited.eu. And our Facebook page is EuropeanUnited.eu. This was episode 12 of Eurochat. We hope to see you soon. Take care of yourself. Goodbye.